It is finished. Tonight is designed to allow those words to sit with us and for several moments to think about all that those words imply, to realize that the death of Jesus came about exactly as he said it would. Not once, not twice, but three times to his disciples, he predicted his death. Mark 10, 33 and 34, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. The son of man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death. And then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him and kill him. And Jesus predicted that these things were going to happen and happen they did. And so the end of Mark's account the crucifixion gives us the details, an interesting amount of details if you think about it for Mark. One to always use a brevity of words, one to always be concise in his account. And so when we come to the end of the story, we discover that there is some activity at the foot of the cross. There are witnesses. There's one named Joseph of Arimathea who notes that it's already evening and the day of preparation. And so Joseph of Arimathea, who was a prominent member of the Sanhedrin, the 70, the rulers of the Jews, who was himself looking forward to the kingdom of God, came and boldly went to Pilate and asked for Jesus's body. Now, we don't know all of the reasons that Joseph of Arimathea did this. It could have been a combination of reasons. One reason the Gospel of John tells us that he was a secret disciple, that he admired Jesus and his teachings. He also could have been dealing with some measure of guilt. Perhaps if he had spoken up sooner, if he had said something, maybe it would have stopped all of this. But he was also familiar with the Jewish scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 and 23 say this, if anyone is found guilty of an offense deserving the death penalty and is executed, and you hang his body on a tree, you were not to leave his corpse on that tree overnight, but you were to bury him that day. For anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. You see, it's part of the reason the crucifixion was such an awful punishment to the Jews, because they equated that with being hung on a tree, meaning that person was cursed by God. As the prophet Isaiah you heard earlier, yes, yes, smitten afflicted, crushed. You must not defile the land, Moses says. The Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. And so all of these things or some combination of them came together for Joseph of Arimathea. And he was motivated to risk his own neck to now go to Pilate. Pilate, as you heard clearly tonight, was not pleased that he had been manipulated by the Jews into crucifying Jesus. And he could, of course, then had Joseph tried for treason. Of course, among his very own, Joseph could have been kicked out of the Sanhedrin for his actions. But what's interesting is, no doubt by the time that he procured the body, they began to prepare it for burial. As the sun would set, that would mean that he himself would be unclean under Jewish ceremonial laws to be able to celebrate the Sabbath. And so this came at great risk to Joseph himself. And what comes next is interesting because it reads a little bit, some historians and scholars note, like a coroner's report. 
You now have a Jewish witness to the crucifixion, Joseph of Arimathea, asking for the body. It says, Pilate was surprised that he was already dead. Often crucifixion took two or three days to complete while the victim was in agony. So summoning the centurion who was there present at the cross, he asked whether him, uh, ask him whether he had already died. And when he found out from the centurion, he gave the corpse to Joseph. So now you have a eyewitness from the Romans, a Roman commander, and you have the highest ranking Roman official in the land, Pilate himself. And we now have Jewish witnesses. We now have a Roman official certifying the death of Jesus. And so after he brought some linen cloth, Joseph took him down and wrapped him in the linen. Then he laid him in a tomb cut out of the rock and rolled a stone against the entrance to the tomb. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph, were watching where he was laid. And so now we have some of Jesus' own disciples and followers. So we now have Jewish, Roman, and Christian witnesses to the reality that Jesus was dead and buried. And as we get into chapter 16 of Mark, it's interesting that only Mark with just a short phrase and Matthew who discusses the guards that were posted at the tomb, they're the only ones who mention what we now call Silent Saturday at all when the Sabbath was over and Mark launches into his account of what happened on that Easter Sunday morning. But I want us to spend some time tonight thinking about that moment. Part of what we do in our world today is we run much too quickly past things. And I want you to remember that on that Good Friday night, Jesus was dead and buried and in the tomb. There were witnesses of all kinds to that reality. But what happens the next morning when you wake up? I spent several years serving as a youth minister. I remember the emotional energy that went to camps or retreats or mission trips. And then you come home, it's, you're on a spiritual high, and you try to catch up on your sleep, you wake up the next day and you feel terrible, right? You've all been maybe on a big vacation before, you're all excited beforehand, you go, you experience new things, you come home, you crash, and the day after you feel awful. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be the followers of Jesus? All the drama, all the emotion, all of the energy, and now your king has been rejected, he's been mocked, he's suffered, he has been crucified. And you wake up the next morning and the nightmare is still your reality. So far as we know, there has only been one day, think about this, there's only been one day in the last 2,000 years when literally no person in the world believed that Jesus was alive. John Ortberg, in his book, Who Is This Man?, writes about that day. We don't know what happened, but maybe those who believed in Jesus gathered quietly. We remember that's what people do the things he said, the things he taught, the things he did, the people he touched and healed. They remember what it felt like when Jesus called them, when they felt wanted. They remembered their hopes and dreams. They were going to change the world, but now it's Saturday. Maybe they talk about what went wrong. 
What in God's name happened? None of them wants to say this, but in their hearts, they're trying to come to grips with this unfathomable thought. Jesus failed. He ended up a failure. Noble attempt, but he couldn't get enough followers. He couldn't convince the chief priests. He couldn't win over Rome to make peace. He couldn't even train his disciples to be courageous at his greatest moment of crisis. Everybody knows Saturday. We've all been there. The day your dream died. You woke up and you're still alive. You have to go on, but you don't know how. And worse, you don't know why. Some scholars call our generation Saturday's children. That we live in hopelessness. That cynicism is the mark of our age. The best definition of cynicism I've ever heard is one who has been wounded by hope. And because so many don't understand what Jesus did on the cross, because they don't understand what's to come, they live with absolutely no hope. So what do you do on Saturday? You have a few options. You can despair, and apparently that's what some did. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, how can some of you say there's no resurrection from the dead? Because if there's no resurrection, then we are lost still in our sin. You can deny. You can try to act like it never happened in the first place and just try to pick up the pieces and go on and live your life with simplistic explanations, impatience, easy answers, artificial pleasantness. Think about all the people in our society today. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. That would have been one of your options. So you can despair. You can deny. Or you can wait. You can wait. You can call out to God even when he seems far away. You can search the scriptures for evidence of hope. You can rest, you can ask, and you can wait. 